With your new game, are you going back to the old way or focusing on feeling and positioning? Well, this time Sam has shingles. <laughs> right. So we got a new... This game came out of my shingles, bro. <laughs> Butterscotch shenanigans. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 97 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam. I'm the breaker of robots. I'm Sam, and I make the art pictures. And today is May 9th, 2017. Mm-hmm. We have a warning before we get started. Anything can happen on this show. There's going to be profanity. We will be swearing basically nonstop. Yep. Uh, In a very pleasing and joyful way, of course. Yeah. But it is going to happen. And so if you don't like that, get yourself on out of here. Once you stop, the fun don't pop. No, that's not how it works. All right. Cuss, the fun don't suss. Muss. Muss. All right, literal brothers. Hey. Let's get on to the news (laughs) of the week. So something happened this past week and a half. Sam, you were gone last week. Let's talk gone. about that. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a scary story. Very spooky. Spin us a disgusting yarn. So last week on Monday, Monday morn, Monday fun day, I woke up and I was like, my kidney kind of hurts. Just like just the area in my, you know, kind of like the lower middle lower back area on the left side and I looked at a diagram because I was like this hurts I feel like I must have a kidney stone what body part is this or something crazy so, yeah so I looked at I pulled up an anatomy map mm-hmm. turned out it was your cheek actually and I, <laughs> and I was like your back cheek this yeah. is definitely a left kidney like it's kind of it's right in the area what else is in there what what else could it have the been? thing is all, literally all of the guts are just like on top of each other yeah. pretty much everywhere so it could oh, be a kidney true. yeah yeah could be your colon could be I think there's like a there's something else there's over like there. A spleen in there. Like they're really crammed in there. I think the human body is kind of put together like a laptop. You know, yeah. like yeah. all the parts it's really, are really. Well, it's like our, our top half is mostly just lungs. Yeah, the bottom half a bunch is of air. just guts. And, and then that's all the room we had left was yeah. just cram it all in the bottom. Yeah, so I look at this and I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is a kidney scenario. So I'm going to wait it out, see what happens. So the pain keeps on intensifying. And by Tuesday or so, it just, it felt like there was a, a masseuse with like really strong thumbs who every eight seconds or so would just like just, just push <laughs> into that spot on my back. Just jam it in there. It's like when you know, we have a friend, you get, you're get you like, hey, could you rub my back? And they're like, sure. And then they just like break your, your back. Half, oh, we've all know? been there. Mm-hmm. You know, those yeah. overly, <laughs> overzealous like, friends. This to me at least twice a day. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I'm hanging out with my my huge beefy friends yeah. with giant thumbs mm-hmm. uh, and I have them massage me, I'm like, I'm always filled with regret. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, so uh, you know, this this keeps on intensifying and I'm like, what is happening? And then I, I asked Diana to take a picture of it, of my back to send to my dad because he's a doctor and just to ask him, I, I was pointing at the pain location. He's also our dad since we're literal brothers. Literal. <laughs> yeah, he is our dad. <laughs> so, uh, so I sent a picture of it to him, um, with just me pointing at it and Diana noticed when she was taking the picture, there were three little dots. Oh shit. On my back. Not oh. where my pain was, but just like back there. So this is from where like the vampire bit you. Apparently. I was thinking it might be like a predator, uh, oh, yeah, the laser reticle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chupacabra. Did you, did you also notice that when he took a picture of it, it actually didn't appear in the picture? Yeah. Yeah. And neither did you. <laughs> I become a vampire. <laughs> so, uh, Diane takes his picture, sends it to dad, and uh, and then we notice these dots. And I'm like, I know what extreme pain plus a rash is. So I Google it, vampire bite, and it's a vampire bite. Yeah, and I'm like, oh god, I'm turning. This is my. Life, well, fortunately, now. it was a goose vampire, so I think it didn't. It doesn't carry it over. It doesn't transfer. Yeah, yeah. But I did get shingles. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so shingles. <laughs> Shingles is supposed to be like a like a sixty plus thing. 
that you get when you're just just old and ancient. It's because so what basically what happens is <laughs> once you have the pox, you get chicken pox as a kid. Nearly everybody's ever, either had it or had the vaccine. Once you have had the vaccine or uh, been inoculated through the trial of chicken pox, then the virus actually just lives in you permanently. It's just there. It's, it's just chilling. there. Chilling along your nerve pathways. Herping it up. Herping it up. It's a herpes virus. Herpes zoster, right? The yeah. Blood. I don't know. Something sure. like that. So it's just chilling on your nerves. And at some point, uh, when you're when you're at like a low point, which usually happens, of course, when you're in advanced age, you'll have, you'll get, you know, pneumonia or something. And then because your immune system's weakened, the virus comes out. It's really just in any weakened immune state. Yeah. And so I'm apparently still very much like a toddler in terms of immune system. Because you got a new one. Because I got a new one. And so... Uh, they didn't give you a vaccine for, for it when you got your new immune system? Not for shingles. I mean, for chicken pox. There's no, there's yeah. No, okay. But that's how you get shingles, actually, is by getting the chicken pox sure, vaccine, yeah. right? So... Damn it. Um, eventually. So Catch 22. So really, they gave you shingles by giving you... The, kind of, yeah. yeah. But I think I'd rather have that than chicken pox, probably. Yeah. I don't know, honestly. Well, this let's talk like about fuck. it. I mean, what is it like? So basically what happens is a huge belt of, of this rash... It, it follows a nerve pathway, and along your skin, then wherever that nerve feeds your skin, it, like, blooms into this just disgusting red, blister-filled mass. And so, as you put it, it just looked like somebody spilled marinara sauce yeah, on your Yeah, that's what it looked like. <laughs> just like a big jar, somebody's just like, Bush. and I'm very pale, so that, that should give you an idea of what that looks it's like. very it's striking. Just, <laughs> It was incredible. Uh, and then it blisters, and the whole time it it itches and hurts. And the worst part is that the the pain you have in the back, the thing that feels like a masseuse getting in on you, um, starts it starts sort of spreading just to your skin generally on whatever half of the body is that's being that this nerve is on. It's so like my, and then the pain apparently just lasts. So the rash has now gone away. It's basically healing up almost completely, but the nerve pain just stays for apparently months. Oh, I didn't know that. So. <laughs> so, so it's just the case that apparently I'm just going to be in a medium, just your regular constant searing pain, yeah. Sort of scenario. so I can just that's that's what I'm at now. That's cool, 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 cool. Ten it's out of ten. Time. Wish it on your enemies. <laughs> Never get shingles if you can help it. Uh, I don't know why they don't just give you the shingles vaccine. Why do you have to wait till you're sixty? I don't know. I man. want the vaccine. But I mean, how would you get a vaccine? Because it's the same virus. I don't know. They have a vaccine for shingles. For for shingles specifically? Yeah. That isn't just a chicken box vaccine? I even saw it when I went to go pick up some other meds at Walgreens. There was a little note, and I started laughing because it's like, shingles vaccine, 60 or older. Yeah, can I just have it now? Could I have? I don't know. Maniacs? I don't know, podcast listeners. You should probably go look into this. I feel like- Get yourself juiced up. Who's that guy, Mike Rowe, who does dirty jobs and then kind of explains them to people? Yeah. That's why I feel like my life is as far as this illness stuff. <laughs> yeah, you get it for everybody else. And Let me tell you what it's like. Exactly why they don't. It hurts like fuck. Don't get shingles. Yeah, so don't, don't do that. <laughs> uh, we also sent out a newsletter last week. Yeah. Which has been getting a lot of, uh, we're getting a lot of kick out of it. We hit a secret message in the newsletter. Yeah. And then we linked everybody to our Discord to have, so that they would have a bunch of other people to help them figure it out. And I think it took like 36 hours or something for the- uh, It would have been- no, I think it would be just shy of 24 hours. Yeah. So our, our community folks figured out the secret message. 
And then they, after they posted the answer, they deleted it from the Discord because yeah. they're like, "I want to see how I want to see other people figure it out." So the answer still, I don't think, is in there. Yeah, but there are many clues now. There's a lot of clues floating around. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you, it might have gone to spam though for a lot of people. So if you, uh, if you're signed up for the newsletter, which you probably are if you're listening to the podcast, then uh, be sure to check your spam folder. Check out that secret message in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An yep. interesting thing about sending out, you know, 150,000 emails is apparently if you do it too fast. Yeah, you got to follow all these rules that nobody will give you because if they give them out, then spammers will just take advantage of them. You know, so you have so. to find them via messing up a lot. Yeah, so we think we might have. We sent out the messages. I told Adam on Friday. I was like, "Turn the volume up. Yeah, Just turn on did. the fire hose." And then probably they all went to spam. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the trick is that you know, a lot of it is is you have to be really consistent, have like a consistently high open rate, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but since we're on the tail end of Crashlands, then our our new BeastCatcher D signups are really low. So our daily email output is like a thousand emails a day. Mm. And then when it comes to sending out a newsletter once every four to six weeks, now we're going to send it to 150,000 people uh. over 48 hours, right? And so so it's a, it's a sudden spike in activity, and we we're operating at such a low level that we're no longer in the trustworthy category. Uh. We have to prove our trust. So probably we have to have to, Damn have to do. So there's a problem with secrets, though, is how do you... Because really, we should be hmm. spinning up a newsletter and then like feeding it out over weeks, even, just to keep our... But if we have a secret message on. in there... Right. Then now it's the people the at the end. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna announce the actual, uh, the secret. I'll announce it uh, tomorrow. So Wednesday. Um, Where? How? Via via the twits. Yeah. The twits. And the blog, probably. Blog! So those of you who haven't figured it out yet, you have no time, actually. Just go to the blog and look at it. Yeah. And then you could also go to the Discord to... To beg for the answer. Yeah, which we have a great new link. is at bit.ly slash BS Discord. So if you want to come into our Discord, come on over to bit.ly slash BS Discord. Yeah. yeah. We thought very carefully about what we should use for that bit.ly link. Yeah. we. I feel like we really sort of like pulled deep on yeah. that one. Yeah. We, we took every creative juice we had mm-hmm. and made BS Discord. Yeah. Uh, also, we have Crashlands is in the Humble Bundle this week. Yeah. Still. For the Super next, cheap. for one more week. If you got friends who haven't played it yet, they can get Crashlands Plus. Uh, I think the is it the Curious Expedition and Hacknet and sure. It's yeah. in the uh, it's in the beat the average category. So they get the moment you got to pay like six bucks or something. It's very expensive. Um, so yeah, I mean that's it's a pretty sweet deal. So if you have any friends who have been thinking about playing Crashlands and have just not ponied up the cash, now is the time mm-hmm. to of or, course buy it for them exactly. and then send them the Steam gate. Right. Yep. So uh, all right, and then one final news item is hmm. the Shenana Jam. It's coming. What is it? It's happening two Fridays from now. Mm-hmm. It's a game jam. Wait, is it only two Fridays from now? Soon or two weeks from Friday. So three Wait. Fridays from now. Two. What is this Friday? Today's the night. to do some. This Friday algebra. is the thirteenth ish. Twelfth. Yeah, two weeks. Twelfth. Okay. Two, two weeks Fridays. from Friday. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so it's happening on May twenty sixth. It's a game jam. Friday is just to be happy. right. <laughs> it's happening May twenty sixth. We know that much. <laughs> that would be the best way to say. Uh, it. So it's a game jam that we are hosting on itch.io, uh, and you can get there through itch.io slash jam slash bscotch one hundred. And it is a celebration of our 100th podcast episode. And we're also going to be, there's a rating system. So after the jam concludes, then you uh, can have your game reviewed and rated by the other participants of the jam. And you can also rate other people's games. And uh, our intention is to, after the the rating and judging dies down, is to pull down a few of the top games and do some, some goofy-ass YouTube mm-hmm. playthroughs of mm-hmm. them. Uh, so if you want to get in on that, 
then do it. And honestly, you know, if you haven't made a game before, but you've always kind of thought about it, then do it. Do Please it. do like, it. You're the prime candidate uh, because these are these are the kinds of events that change people's lives. Mm-hmm. Because you you discover that you can do something that you had no idea you had it in you all along. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So you have have like shingles, much like shingles. Yeah. (laughs) So you have a few weeks, and actually on the uh, on the jam page, uh, we actually have a bunch. We have a sort of a a frequently asked questions section about what kinds of tools to use. You know what to do if you've never made a game before. You know all that stuff. So check it out. Uh, We have all the resources there for you. And you know if you have any other questions, just hop into the Discord. And start start asking. At bit.ly slash BS Discord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So I think that's all the news we got for the week. Sure. Let's go. Uh, so now we're going to move on to some questions. And these questions come from our listeners at uh, podcast.bscotch.net. So if you would like to get your questions on the podcast in the future, head on over there and dunk some questions into our hoop mm-hmm. holes. All right. First question comes from. Oh, wait, our, our hoop holes? It's kind of redundant, I guess. A hoop is more of a ring, I guess, not a hole. That's true. It's a hole in the universe. (laughs) All right. First question comes from Kevin888. So the past few casts have had segments on using your time and money well. So last week we talked about college, uh, Mm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, This all makes sense to me logically, Mm. but it does seem kind of sad to live like that, always working to improve yourself above everything else. Is there ever time to party? Oh, yeah. (laughs) All the time. What did we do last night? We had a fire pit, mm-hmm. made mollows, burned some mollows, ate mollow skins. It was basically, it was very mollow-centric. Well, we want to talk about this because the but best- But we also talked about how to make better marshmallows based on our experience. Yeah, so- You my, never stop improving. So let me share my marshmallow technique. Mm-hmm. So what you do is take a marshmallow and put it on a stick. For those of you who haven't done this before, uh, if you haven't roasted marshmallows- you just take this sugary marshmallow candy and you put it over an open flame. And what happens is the outside of it will crystallize. And most people stop there. They're like, hey, this is golden brown or black because I caught it on fire and I don't know how to use golden black. So ideally, you hold it just above sort of a hot spot in the fire until it's golden brown. Rotate it. You know, keep on making golden brown. And you can tell because a little bit of smoke will start coming off the mallow because mm-hmm. it starts to brown. And then what you do instead of stopping, don't stop there because the burned skin is the best part of the mallow. So what you do is you actually remove it from the fire, take the skin, just grab the marshmallow skin. skin. It's actually not hot yet, and you just pull it off. And now you have this thin layer of essentially caramelized mallow skin. Then you got yourself a nice marshmallow hide. Yeah, you you got a marshmallow hide. You can make it into a jacket. And then you take the the remaining mallow, the core of the mallow, and put it back in the fire. And yet again, make a new skin. Make a new skin. Yeah, because marshmallows regrow their skin very rapid in fire. They're in kind fire. of like lizards. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that's that's our marshmallow technique. Um, and what it does is it gives you a very crispy, fantastic uh, s'more making material. In particular, when you have a few of these skin layers in there, which so. is all to say, why not party and always become better at the same time? At partying. Also, there's a great yeah. optimize. There's a great experience. s'more technique I have, where basically you take you take like a, a Cadbury chocolate bar, right? You open it up, uh, leave it out in the sun for a little bit. Mm. So it's a little bit kind of moldy, right? Not moldy, like you can mold it. (laughs) Malleable. Malleable, Malleable. right? (laughs) Let it be. How long did you leave it in the sun? Let it be moldable. Okay, sure. (laughs) If it's moldy, throw it out. Then you take it, you crush it into a ball, okay? You just like, you just, you like clay, like chocolate clay. You form it into a ball, okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. Then you take a jar of marshmallow paste, right? You throw that into a blender. (laughs) Just with a glass? Also, yeah. <laughs> then you take 
Then you take a uh, a box of graham crackers, throw that into the blender. Cardboard no. Cardboard no. Right? <laughs> turn that turn that shit on. Let it go. Wait, wait. wait did, did you put the chocolate in there too? No, yeah. no. The chocolate is still okay. separate. Oh, I was right. confused about why it was a you ball. Got <laughs> you got four. <laughs> you pour the chocolate in a ball. Okay. You put that chocolate in the freezer. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. Right. Then you blend up your marshmallow your marshmallow uh, cream or whatever it's called. Marshmallow, you know, you know, cardboard, yeah, the whole thing, yeah. Yeah. Right. You blend up the graham cracker, you blend up the marshmallow. marshmallow. Okay. The boxes that came Now you've got, you've got a nice blender full of sort of like s'more materials ready sure. to work right. with. Right? By a gray-brown color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then you, you just reach your hand into the blender. Turn it off first. <laughs> reach, your <laughs> reach your hand into the blender. Pull out a huge handful of marshmallow graham debris. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you take that frozen ball of chocolate. You crack. <laughs> okay. Then you kind of like you kind of wrap and morph the marshmallow graham cracker around it. Huh? <laughs> so it's like a, it's like a sticky snowball. Yeah. With like a solid chocolate core. Okay. Right? <laughs> then you you just chuck that in the fire. You just because <laughs> you can't eat that. You can't eat you that. You maniac. <laughs> uh, but I think no, this is an interesting point because I think uh, so you can hollow out the ball and put it on the. Put the gooey stuff on the inside. There's this. I'm gonna, oh yeah, I'm gonna get back on track. So there's you this, can't eat that either. There's this <laughs> phenomenal uh, college humor video I saw, which I think is recent. Uh, which was this this guy comes in, he's like, 2017 is gonna be my most productive year ever. I got this planner. I planned out every minute of time, and then he gets one of those fidget cubes. He's like, this is going to make me less stressed. And then he has this app that tells him when to do things. And so it starts, you know, telling, it's like meditate. And he's like, oh, I got to meditate right now. And he starts meditating. It's like, check your journal. And he's like, oh, I'm checking my journal. <laughs> and so he like, start, he like, he catches on fire from this sort of like. he's over, way too productive. Overactivity. And I think the, the interesting question here, and we, we talked about this actually a lot. And there's, there's an article we shared um, internally in the studio on Friday, I think, which is about this idea of uh, time management taking over people's lives. Because uh, the better you are at managing your time, the more shit you end up doing, the more you have to worry about. necessarily good. But it's, it's also not necessarily not true. Not necessarily true, yeah. It's because... It's just what tends to happen to right. people. Yeah, well, I think if you do it for the sake of doing it, and if you misinterpret what productivity is and is for, and because to me, I just reject this question, the premise of this question out of hand, which is that there's something negative about party. Man, well, either partying or managing <laughs> your time or or your productivity. Well, I think what, because what usually happens is when you the first time and I don't know if this happened to you guys, but the first time you hop on the sort of like self improvement and the productivity train, it tends to take you on do it wrong. You do it wrong, and so yeah. it tends to take on this. You you are going to almost inevitably get this sort of frenetic pace yeah. where you burn, you're going to burn out. Yeah, like I did that. it. You did. It. I think yep. you probably did. You all just like you learn the tools you for how to, to manage your time. Improve at self improvement before you can self improve. Yeah, and then at some point yeah. you're like, I don't need to do that. Yeah, I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to lay around. I'm going to party because I have time to party because I'm extremely efficient with what. What even? I do. What even is partying though? Like what? Because this is. This like, is I, I don't give a, I don't give a set, shit about partying. Yeah, but, but the thing is, thing is, partying here is just set in contrast between like being a responsible human because it's it's saying like, yeah, we should manage your your money and your time. But what about partying? Right, as if somehow. The Parties. thing that sucks is being a responsible person and that parting is when you get to stop being responsible. Well, this also kind of comes, it's to me, this mm-hmm. is the same train of thought that leads to the idea that, that there's like a work life balance or that like that you, that you work and that's the thing that sucks. And then later you like refresh yourself by doing your life things. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but like, so just this past Sunday, I just decided to jam out a prototype in the evening of some stupid game idea that I had uh, just for fun. And also cause I was like feeling kind of rusty and you know, whatever. And I had a blast. Like I had a lot of fun putting this thing together 
And it looks a lot like my work, which is I'm building video games and I'm programming, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact is, like, I had a really good time doing it. I learned a lot of mm -hmm. interesting things. Um, yeah, I, think, so, I, think the, I mean, the question kind of goes down to, it's a, it's a different one, which is, so say it's like socializing. Mm-hmm. For purely for the sake of just hanging out with some other human beings. Um, the question of where does that fit into your productivity matrix if you're on the self-improvement train? This fits into perfectly. I know. Well, the last thing is it does. But I think when you when you initially start out, start out looking at how to improve, the problem that oftentimes people have is that they, they are doing more and more and more, right? And that's sort of the, the treadmill that you get on where you're like, well, I can, I can do more, so I should keep on packing more and more stuff in. And really what the reality is is that self-improvement should be used to essentially free yourself in a time sense from having to constantly be uh, worried behind or stressed. worried or whatever else. And yeah. so you, you use it to get, get all your work, get your work done in whatever capacity that means for you. Um, and then not to just keep on adding shit on. That is not something that matters to you. And I think a big part of this is it just, it gives you, yeah, you just do what matters to you. Well, it's the thing is yeah. people actually don't, you, if you do, if you do the self-improvement and this productivity stuff without stepping back and asking why mm -hmm. it is, you're doing all the things that you're doing, then it actually feels terrible because yeah. you just, you're doing more and more and more stuff that you don't actually give a shit about or that doesn't feed you. But all that way. stuff, I mean, the fact is every, everything that you do generates chaos, which then has to be managed. Mm -hmm. And so the more you do, because you're becoming better at doing more stuff, the more chaos you also have to manage right. so that it becomes, I mean, the fact is there's never, and we, we talk about this in the studio all the time. We don't have deadlines on things. We don't have uh, many management systems at all. Really. We just say there's always infinite work to do. So we know the trajectory we're trying. We to know go where toward. we're trying to go. So your job is just to within sort of the normal work time frame. We just kind of a lot time for it because you could do it all day. And sometimes we do because we are enjoying it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but otherwise, we just say right between these hours, uh, do as much as you can, right? right. Uh, but keeping focus that you know you're prioritizing things properly, and so that so that when you do get things done, they all align towards some broader goal. You can work as a, you know all that stuff. Right. You well, you know why. You know why. And you know the importance. And I think that's that's. A big it's not part about of it. getting work done for the sake of getting work done, because again, there's just always more. Well, to I think do. This, this, so I did that Uberman thing where I only slept for two hours a day for two weeks. Yes. The the you primary do that. So this this was when I this is when I hopped on the the productivity train because yeah. I was like it was like the initial one. Talk I about need them. to do more. I need to be awake for twenty two hours a day so I could do all the things. Um, that got real old within like three days as far as being up at night and just being able like you you were functional if you were doing it well enough. Well, functional enough, I guess. And <laughs> you and existed. So, so I could do stuff and I did. I learned some stuff, worked on various things, but I found at the end of the day that the reality was that I didn't care about that many things to need that much extra time. And it was actually just taking away from my human time in the evenings with friends and stuff. If I would have to go like nap in the middle of socializing with people. So in other words, it sort of displaced what was actually important. Yeah. And that well, became very you, got, obvious. you got a lot more hours, but they suck for no reason. It's like, no well, who reason, gets, yeah. I'm going to bed. Well, I'm you good. have to, yeah. before you do anything, you need to understand what your values are because yeah. if, if you don't, if you're a person who doesn't actually care about socializing with people, then it, in that context, it might make sense to basically like, you know, continuously become better and better at packing your day full of various kinds of work-related achievements. Um, most people are not like that and probably really nobody is actually. Right. Uh, but if you're like, like we are, then what you, what you say instead is again, there's infinite stuff to do. I can't do all of it. It's literally impossible. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to do all the things isn't even what I'm doing because that doesn't make any sense. It's too impossible. And so instead you say, I want to become better and better and better at the stuff that I am doing and be able to do it more effectively, more efficiently, just so it's better. 
so mm-hmm. that I can get more done in the time I've chosen to allot to. Yes. Which so is that's the, the important piece. Yeah. If you just keep on, if you just give yourself the whole day so that every hour, every waking mode every day is about a thing and then you get better and better and better at getting stuff done during the entire day, then yeah, God, it's going to burn you out. Oh yeah. I'll make you tired. I mean, like you built a workbench this past weekend. Mm-hmm. I made some sweet bread and watched some great British baking show. I did like, I didn't know technical work quote unquote well i guess i graded a ton of games but you graded 30 games yeah i did that so i did that for 12 (laughs) hours but but the other the other you know 18 hours whatever that i was awake (laughs) but you worked on yourself i was just hanging out with people and making bread chilling because i'm productive enough that during any work day i can get a shitload of stuff done yes that when you leave after the day you feel like i really just i gave it and this is this is the whole vision we have for what working in the city is supposed to be like is that you come in you just put everything you crush on the it. table. Yeah. Literally everything. You just crush the fuck out of that day. You And then you crush the approved, table. Approved, you crush the table, then build a new one. <laughs> build a new table when you <laughs> go home. When you go home, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then so that you can go home and you can look back and just feel like you just really did everything mm-hmm. possible. Um, and you'll still reevaluate and ask, how could I do even more the next day, right? But it's all about keeping these things constrained so that you can then now go home and when you're at home, you might have a new list of things that you're going to continue to crush. And that can include, like, there's no reason to say that partying or socializing or doing something just by yourself or just listening to music or any of these things aren't both parties and things you're self-improving at. Yeah. Because they really just, really everything, every moment of your day should be both. And, and, but you could also be asking, how can I party better? Yeah. yeah well, I mean, we got, we yeah. got back to the house uh, last night for the fire pit and uh, Diana had prepped all of the plates and food, my wife prepped all, all the plates and food and stuff. And so we just walk in and it's like showtime, right? Party's ready to go. There's mm-hmm. no, we had bought, we had brought food from our, the favorite barbecue place. So we just slapped it onto the plate away, slapped it on the plates, <laughs> go eat, start a fire. We had wood out there. So like, and at the end of the night, I was like, that was really nice. And, and Diana said, yeah, I love designing experiences for people, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is what a party is. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, you can, you enjoy it. Plan it, enjoy it. Yeah. So, I mean, in the end, you can do things poorly or you can do things well. Just party if well. If partying just means doing things poorly, then fine. But Go. if partying is like having a great time. Yeah. Do it well. Have you got to know, you gotta know what you're getting yeah. out of things. And, yeah. and well, and I also want to say, you know, you know, I think it's the case that you can, you can simultaneously know that you're good at something or enjoy something a lot and also know that it can be improved. And I think for yeah. a lot of people, until you have that, until you're able to hold both those ideas simultaneously, we're like, this is great and also could be improved. And there's no rub. Conflict. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the place where you need to get to if you're working on productivity. Cause that, that that's what creates the drive to be always doing better without being sad. The worry that out. you get when you first start out really focusing on productivity and, and developing expertise and that sort of thing. When you're first starting, you're just always worried about how you're not good enough yeah. at it. And, and to you, the, the fact that you haven't done something as successful as you want feels bad and is only negative and all of that. Uh, but there's a, there's a thing you just had to get through on the other side where mm-hmm. now knowing that you're not as good as you could be, is fine. And in fact, that's just your life now. Right. You never get to be the best. as good as is possible because there's always some better that you could do. And you can just kind of embrace that fact and get to the point where you just are really good, where you're absolutely good, even though there's always better that you can be. Just yeah. Embrace it. Just embrace that fact. Just roll with it. Be like water or like apple juice. Maybe fire. Yeah. All right. Next question comes everything from, in your path. Next question yeah. comes from Kulabula. Hey. Kulabula says, I've almost finished my game. <gasps> I'm not sure whether to release my game as free to play on the App Store or with Steam Direct. 
I'm trying to guesstimate the revenue for some games. Can you tell me if I'm too low or too high? My guess is Quadrupus Rampage made $380,000 <laughs> gross. God, I wish. <laughs> it did not. Sweet Jesus. Quadrupus Rampage made $10,000 in its first six months. Three months. Three months. And then probably not much more than that in the next. And then the, the next month it made three hundred seventy thousand dollars, <laughs> which was great. Actually, but it's lifetime. It's, it's lifetime. It made is it like a like hundred, like eighty or ninety? I think yeah, it's, it's about maybe. close to hundred now. 000, but it's like been out for four, three, four years. Three, four. Yep, four and years. So this, let's talk about the point. So the point of making games as opposed to some other products is that there's there's no continued cost to selling it. Yeah. So in other you words, you got to maintain it though. You yeah, keep it, it up but and running. Quadrupus Rampage kept us alive for a long time because it just sits there and makes money in the background. Mm-hmm. So while we're podcasting, we got sandwiches coming. We got sandwiches coming in from Quadrupus Rampage. Well, actually, probably yeah. specifically half of gumballs. Yeah. yeah, they also pay us. They pay us. I don't know if you, you need to know this before you go on the app store. They actually pay you in sandwiches. They just get delivered. They yeah, just send you piles. You got to really build up an appetite. Yeah, yeah. But there's there's like a 45 day lag time though between mm-hmm. when you sell things and when you get your sandwiches. Um, Semi truck shows up. Yeah, yeah in the contract they say the first the first five hundred dollars per month you earn will be delivered in the form of sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that's way off for Quadrupus by a, a huge margin. Yeah, um, the the <laughs> first a factor of and four. The, I guess the important bit is that yeah, it's nice that it's made you know about a hundred thousand over four years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not important literally at all if you're starting out because you need money now. Immediately. <laughs> so, so the. The, as far as the question of going free to play or Steam Direct, all that really hinges on both your connections and also the game. With the game, yeah, the structure yeah. of the game. Free to play is not just a thing you can slap on, which is kind of like what we did with Quadrupus Rampage, which is probably why it doesn't make much money. Exactly and it really why. wasn't. Um, in, I mean, we we put ads in it to double its revenue, which is which in. is what yeah, which is what allowed it to get up to the, right. the level that it's currently at because it was originally making just half as much money. Right. Um, so I think we we also discovered too that if you make a a pay up front game. You know, because because interestingly, this question does not this question you can either is it says free on the App Store or through Steam Direct. You can also do paid on the App Store. That's mm-hmm. not, not all mm-hmm. games on the App Store are free or free to play on Steam. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you have a lot of options, but it basically comes down to like Sam was saying, free to play is has to be built into the game, and you also have to recognize that you're gonna have mostly players who don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Like your uninstall rate on day one is gonna be like seventy percent. Yep. One percent of people are gonna buy something. You know, um, and this is if you have a really good game. If you have a really good game, yeah. And so, eh, no, I, don't, I know. don't know. We we've really we've really leaned hard away from free to play, yeah. but we also realized that that for premium stuff, you need featuring. Yeah, like you need to get mm-hmm. the game promoted by the store. You need the store's stamp of approval. Hey, this is a good game. Everybody should play it. Because if you don't, you know, people are going to be very. You're you're not going to get that initial surge of good yeah. reviews and stuff that's going to encourage more people to oh, buy. Yeah, it. so I guess it's an important context note too. Quadrupus Rampage did get featured in Google Play, and we had about seven hundred thousand people, uh, seven hundred thousand downloads in those first ninety days when we made the ten thousand dollars. Yeah, so keep that in mind. It's a, <laughs> it's a it is a high high volume required for play, especially if you're really bad at free to play monetization, which we are. Oh, and you got to ask. Do I have the capacity for customer support for seven hundred thousand people? Right. Yeah. Because uh, your free players will ask for just as much help as your paying players right. will. Yeah, your your so, average player will bring in like one cent, but everybody's going to have customer support problems. Yeah. So, so uh, our best advice for that is just to not do customer support if you're doing a free to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean you can't really. Yeah, yeah. You, you just you can't. 
not even really yeah. But yeah, so your answer's way off or your, your guess is way off. Hope that helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, next question. In terms from, of what you should do, though. Who knows? I don't know. Just it's, figure it out. It look at your game, your game. Look at what else is doing out there, doing well. I don't know. Uh, next question comes from Woland77. Sam. <laughs> you talk about loving the way WoW used to be. I think mm. you even mentioned having played on one of the throwback servers. Looks like Blizzard isn't very eager to make their own. As game devs, do you sympathize with their forward-looking decision? So, for context, uh, World of Warcraft has been out since 2004. Yeah. So, it's been out for 13 years almost. Um, it has had numerous expansion packs. I think it's on, like, number seven. And every time a new expansion comes out, dramatic new features are added to the game. Um, and lots of old features are completely changed or, in some cases, just removed. Mm-hmm. And so the game as it stands now is just a very, very different animal than it was back right. then. So the, the thing that I liked about the previous versions was actually the difficulty with which it, it was, I guess, the difficulty with which you found other players to play with and had to basically, you, you essentially ended up having to build an actual social circle in order to reliably do things like raiding dungeons. You had to talk to people. You had to talk to people. Um, that's that's a big difference. Uh, I did play on that, well, I don't remember what that was called, but that Seth showed me the uh, Burning Crusade server um, that we played on for a little bit, which was a lot of fun. Um, and there's a ton of people on it, which is yeah. hilarious. But to I think be fair, I was paying my last subscription at the time, so I felt good about it. It was okay. <laughs> I, I, was still, I was still paying Blizzard. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, as far as the the overall thing, I think it, the thing is it's a, it's a business decision. I think it's an important thing to note. Um, you know, game design and player experience probably has not much to do with it because the reality is maintaining, especially with something like WoW, maintaining two separate versions of that, or even say three or four or seven depending on how they would want to split something like that, would be, I, I think, from a business standpoint, just kind of insane. Except um, for one really important point, mm. which is specifically this question probably comes about because of there was a, a WoW private server called Nostalrius, which has been shut down. It's been shut down due to legal action from Blizzard. Mm. And Nostalrius had 800,000 people signed up to play. And on any given day, it was actually far more active than even than any of Blizzard's actual official servers. Hmm. And uh, and I think the the question here, and this, this was actually independently maintained by a separate team who did this for fun. Um, and they had, they had managed to secure all the code and they kept everything exactly up to date and they were constantly fixing bugs and they were actually improving upon, they, they left all the functionality the same, but they were constantly improving on the stability of things and whatever, mm. right? So there's a dev team out there that's literally already done this and solved all the problems. So I think it's, free that's the interesting free. thing. So I think as from from that standpoint, um, well, this yeah, this is an interesting thing. When you have a game that's with like 800,000 customers, which yeah, is I mean, crazy. Right? When you have a game that's essentially a phenomenon at that point, um, I do think there there may be some merit to, for example, license, licensing out essentially previous versions of it. And yeah, you're gonna. I mean, the question is, are those 800,000 players gonna play? Legion going to play the newest expansion, which is Blizzard's question. But the thing is, if they were able to say license it and essentially make money regardless, then they could probably just do it. Although, was this freely available to everybody playing? Probably. Yes. How was it supported? How do you pay for the server costs? I don't know. I, th- I think there was probably donations or yeah, something yeah. like that. But that's the thing is, is the question is, why were those people on that server? Was it because they all wanted the vanilla WoW experience or because it was free? Right. Right. Or some combination. I there. mean, it shouldn't be surprising at all that you have more people active on a free server. Right. Even if it's a, and like, even if everybody on there, all 800,000 of them were like, this is a worse experience than the one I want playing Legion. Right. But it's free. But it's free. <laughs> uh, then, right. then that would mean that this, what this, what this server is doing in that extreme case, but in all cases, mm-hmm. 
is uh, is either directly competing with Blizzard's actual products, meaning it's reducing their right. you know, the revenue potential of their company, uh, or it's taking all the people who would be pirates um, who would not pay for the game anyway, because just following them into one place and just following them all into one place that that they have nothing to do with. They don't mm-hmm. even have to touch. Um, I don't know if you can even tell the difference, but this is, to me, this is actually more of a question of like, Interesting. who are these people? It's almost yeah. like there's a paywall, right? In this kind of yeah. scenario where there's like the, the shittier the version of the game. I'm going to call it, I, I don't want to raise a ruckus. I don't know if it's actually shittier, but you know what I mean? It's the it's different. It's just different. Yeah, lower it's, poly, it's very different. Yeah. Lower resolution. It, it definitely has lo- worse graphics. <laughs> yeah. Worse graphics version of the game uh, and, and less game, presumably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, it's kind of different. So it's kind of like a, it's like a, you know, prequel basically to, to what's available. And you can play that for free or you can pay $10 a month or whatever it is and, and play the actual game. Uh, so, yeah, so really this is just no different than a normal like paywall model. Except the Blizzard doesn't isn't running the thing that mm-hmm. is the free part. Right. Um, but what we know from our experience with paywalls is that just almost nobody actually uses them. Yeah. because uh, they just want to play it for free. Um, but it does, I think it does seem to help with things like support issues and that kind of stuff because you've sort of stratified stratified your customer base into the right. I mean, I think so honestly, if 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 it were made available, I think that's an interesting thing. If it were made available, say a Burning Crusade server. That was Blizzard's own. Um, that ended up being community, just community focused, basically. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think they would get a lot of people who would come back and play that particular. I mean, really, it would just it amount, it would, you had to pay for it. Yeah, really, it would amount yeah, to I them. Think they, still would. they would. They would need to. That was like the they would need to work with that dev team to basically hook those servers into their subscription servers, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it would probably take a few months of of technical work to actually integrate what's going on on those what, servers, right? Yeah. At least, yeah. Um, I wouldn't even. <clears throat> Do you my put a web dev experience? I wouldn't even presume to yeah. guess what that would look like. Yeah, uh, but I mean, the fact is, you know, Blizzard has a ludicrous amount of resources available. Here's oh, yeah. a question: If we yeah, had so, infinite money, yeah. if we had a game that had a, like a million subscribers, and then in ten years, ten expansions later, we were like, you know what, we're done working on this, so we're just going to open up a server for each version of the game, and you could pay for whatever one you want to be on. Like, would that be a thing that you would consider doing? I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider doing it in house. Right. And this is what I think is the interesting part is like yeah, you've got a, there's a out. team out there that's right. already doing right. it. Mm-hmm. You just start paying. He's really them. pumped about the game and right. yeah, you hook you, you hook to s- interact directly with the fan base and all mm-hmm. that. Stuff. Yeah, it's like you hook that server up to your subscription servers. You start paying that dev team. And there you go. Mm-hmm. Just roll them in. Yeah, right? I mean, that is the thing is is the only the only sound business reason to do to 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 not do this. I guess to to reject this kind of other server is because of fears that it is directly competing with their current right. product. But yeah. in that case, that means that they could have two potential products. Right. Right. Because exactly. they're one fucking company. Who cares if they're competing with themselves? <laughs> it, uh, it costs us. Well, I mean, they already yeah. have, they already have Hearthstone and they've already got, Heroes yeah, of the Storm, they're already competing got, with themselves. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, of course this is more direct because it's the game, but, but I mean a 10 year old game versus a, a modern game. That's as different conceptually as like Hearthstone versus. I, th- well, I think, I think the Warcraft. one thing that would be the, the competitive difficulty is blizzards uh, gone very hard on battle.net and yeah. trying to roll other games into battle.net. Right. And so having a version of the game floating around there that isn't hooked up to the modern version of battle.net right. where like you launch it through the blizzard launcher and you can see people also playing Diablo right. and whatever, yeah, right. You'd have to do that. They, yeah. So they would need to rework it, which would be the, the technical hurdle probably. Interesting. Anyway, it's an interesting, uh, interesting question. Hopefully we have that predicament someday. Yeah. Someday. It's a good <laughs> problem to have. Yep. Good problems. All right. Next question comes from just some dude who says, would you consider making your talks into an audio format and releasing them as a podcast? We are going to do the opposite. Does that yeah. help? Make them into a video format? Yeah. And, and then release, release them as, as an audio 
clip. No, no, I meant <laughs> we're turning our podcast into videos. Yes, oh, right. But which is exactly the opposite of what we're doing. That and we actually have we have uh, just today we had a conversation about potentially um, reworking some of our talks and and bringing them all into our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the talks have a, a necessary visual aspect to them mm-hmm. in terms of you know showing uh, images or figures on the screen or whatever. So as a pure audio sort of podcast format, I think it would be a little tougher. Yeah. to recreate it, the experience. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting uh, question. But a lot of it is, you know, that that would mean you would want to design a talk to be audio okay. only. Yeah. Uh, but one of the reasons that we're going to start putting our podcast onto YouTube is because there's a enormous differential in reach that something like, that, that visual stuff has versus pure audio stuff. Because just currently the audience for, for audio only content is just much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes. So, yeah. so for us to, do, so we, like, we, we wouldn't want to go design a talk specifically for use in an audio format because that actually represents a much smaller fragment. Just fewer people get to see it, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. True. All right. Next question comes from also from Kulabula, who's just killing it just everywhere. Kulabula says an outside factor gave you the idea slash reason to make Crashlands, which was Sam getting cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went with a game feeling idea rather than a game mechanic idea. With your new game, are you going back to the old way or focusing on feeling and positioning? Well, this time Sam has shingles. Right. <laughs> so we got a new. This game came out of my shingles, bro. <laughs> endless like, we don't know what to make. Sam, get a disease. Get a disease. You guys are just going to start injecting me with shit. <laughs> Come up with like, We need some inspiration. <laughs> we already did. Oh! <laughs> like Sam, your art hasn't been up to snuff. Let's uh, it's time. Get, it's time. <laughs> get back in the tube. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, with this one, we're we are we're aiming similarly huge in terms of the both the technical requirements and the sort of differentiation in design between this one and the last one. And what I mean by that is we're trying we're trying to hit something that we've always wanted to as far as our game designs are, but that we haven't quite managed to do yet, which is a more systems. And less of a sort of monolithic design. So Crashlands is everything just feeds directly into crafting and that's it. Um, you don't even find, I guess you find three weapons out in the world dropped from things and that's about it. And so there's everything but just kind all of, just gongs. They're all just the gongs. So they, yeah. I just find one weapon out in the world. Yeah. <laughs> everything, everything feels directly into one single uh, progression system. And so with this next one, we want to, we're trying to attack it on multiple fronts and develop a, a much more rich uh, overall game experience that you can you can explore in a variety of ways. So so we're we're pushing in a lot of big ways without any sort of external factor um, aside from actually the, I guess the the changes that we feel like we actually have the time now um, because of crash to make a to, game we want to make yeah to really like really push it up and and from a technical standpoint work on some stuff and so well, we can't talk about it yet but but the the goal is it, it's sort of it's leading with. Uh, a combination of we know what the general mechanical or the general genre that it falls into, and then we know the various feelings that we want to hit. And the interesting thing about uh, game dev is that you're not going to be able to hit those feelings until later. Right. So we just we actually just sort of finished a basically a mechanical vertical slice of the thing, and it's a it's a re- it's a fun toy. I guess that's how I put it. It's a fun toy right now. You get a good three to five minutes. Yeah, you're like cool. What, now what? <laughs> um, and it it works, and it seems like the way we've sort of conceptualize everything seems like it works well enough. And so uh, the, the next stuff is adding in basically progression systems, uh, fleshing out environments, making the environments actually interesting to be in, all this stuff. And so the reality is that you have to go 
even with Crashlands, we still went mechanic first, but you're building always with this idea in mind of what sort of what are these feelings that you're trying to invoke or trying to hit in the player at the end of the day. But you, the weird thing is in, in dev, you literally can't until like the bigger loftier things have to come later. So yeah. right now it's just like get the damn mechanic working. And I remember, I remember after there. the first six months of dev for Crashlands, we started having some people come and play it mm -hmm. and it was endlessly disappointing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there was, because the thing is, like, uh, the, especially Crashlands actually was a fairly systems-focused game in the sense that everything revolves around this crafting system. Um, the combat has to feel good, and there has to be enough interesting stuff in the world that you can pick up interesting materials to build interesting right. things, right? And so uh, at the beginning, you know, in the first six months, the systems were, were nearing the end of being fleshed out, but the content wasn't really there. And so we'd have people come and play it. And it, again, it was kind of like that 10, 15 minutes in, they were just like, so like, that's, is that it? That's the whole, cool. that's the whole thing. <laughs> this is what you would work on? This is six months of work? <laughs> um, because it really, you know, the, the compelling aspects of the game come at the end. Yeah. And, and you know, this, like, we actually, we always hold story until the end. Because I think it was a really interesting talk um, by, uh, I can't remember if it was the Marvel guy or one of the Red Hook guys, but they were talking about how you don't do, don't do, oh no, it was uh, uh, the guy from Spry Fox uh, who made Triple Town and Alpha Bears and that sort of thing. He said, you, you actually, they actually don't do any world building until the end because they said it's so sexy that it will cover up your shitty mechanic <laughs> 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 and your shitty gameplay experience. And so, um, you know, we're, I, I think we, that's what we do, and we take that to heart. I mean, because I that, that's not fully true, though, because we everything informs everything. Yes, right. I mean, uh, we we did start with an idea of what we wanted the game to feel like. Mm -hmm. We absolutely did. Uh, it wasn't like a sharp, crystal clear idea, right? But it was. It was. Do we want this to be? Do we want this to be a, like a sense of mostly adventure? Like what? What? What kind of a sense of achievement and accomplishment would the player to feel like they have? What kind of social mm -hmm. component? You know. So we actually started there. We started with. What do we want the player to to feel like they're getting out of this? Uh, and then you actually started with a little bit of lore aspects of just mm -hmm. like, okay, now where could we set this relative to the rest of the universe that kind of ties that together? Right. And at the same time, once we nailed basically the basic gameplay type, then Seth went off and started prototyping what that would look like. Mm -hmm. And then these now just feed. Well, I think it's the interesting thing is like you you actually you're essentially constantly triangulating, and then yeah, I like the the way that the developer of Alboy put it was you're you're interpreting your own abstract art. That's it. So when Seth makes this new uh, system in the game that allows us to like, you know, set things on fire or whatever else. Now it's like, oh, we can set things on fire, but the game's underwater, mm -hmm. which. How do we explain that? Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm also, like, okay. what if, what if covering a thing with marshmallows is the same as being on fire? Yeah. What would that What be? if? Yeah. What if you could then skin the mallows? Yeah. And make a s'more out of it. And so it's a crafting game now. So the yep. interesting thing is that basically questions get raised from implementing mechanics. And then uh, I'll take, you know, an hour or so and think about it and answer some lore questions that have come up because of just random ideas we had about stuff we wanted to do. Is there a day night cycle? Cool. How long is it? You know, what's the time like? And then do we have moons? Yes or no? And then mm -hmm. well, what would they call what's those moons? What's a moon? Yeah. What does the moon do? Yeah, Who so cares? I, I would say, I mean, I, I don't think it's, I just don't think it's accurate at all that there's sort of separate phases. Sure. That we go through. It's just a constant iteration. It's a constant iteration, but it, but it, it's all these components are figuring out because I, I don't I don't think I don't think you can basically make a game and then build a world on top of it to cover up the shitty parts. I don't think that makes any sense at all. Like you said, this uh, speaker said, right? Well, no, but I mean, you, you can if you get too in, too enthused about the world building. Yeah, yeah no, but the, but the idea is don't don't flesh you don't flesh out one piece. Correct. You yeah, but you, get, you build you get an enough. It's, it's an yeah. easy yeah. mistake to make. Uh, 
if you're doing things in sequence, and actually there's mm-hmm. something that, uh, it's like we, we taught a course this uh, past semester. And one of the things we noticed was that we gave students the option to do art in their games after the last half of the semester. And some of the, some of the students who put art in their games had weaker mechanics. Um, and, and in some cases it was things like people whose games were in a good spot before they added the art. And then when they put the art in, they did things like add long animation sequences and stuff Mm -hmm. that just totally jolted the gameplay. Um, and it actually kind of like threw a wrench into, into things. Mm -hmm. So I think it, it is a, a situation that you'll see from time to time where, where the visual or storytelling aspects of a game actually just kind of like get jammed in there and, and either muck it up. Yeah, they, they either muck it up or sometimes uh, if if that's where the focus is, then yeah, like maybe, and this is kind of how I felt with, uh, I, I have a particular opinion about like Bioshock Infinite mm-hmm. where I just couldn't finish it because it was, for me, it was unbelievably non-challenging, right? Yeah. Like it was just really mundane. Um, and yeah, like we yeah, like when I walked around, I could hear my footsteps changing and like echoing. And like when I walked through a puddle, I heard a splash, mm-hmm. you know, the audio work was amazing and the lighting was beautiful, you know, um, and the story was great. But anytime I got into what could have been an interesting scenario where I could actually act as the player, I was just bored out of my mind. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really easy, even for a studio with thousands of people working oh, on yeah. a game to focus so hard on the visuals. And it's on probably the easier building. for that to happen in that scenario. Honestly, right. because the thing is once you can work in parallel, then it's like, well, the art team needs something to do. Mm-hmm. So do the writers. Yep. So. Well, but also people, the, the groups can't communicate with each other. So, so they're not actually, somebody is, is at the top making decisions mm-hmm. and whatever that person cares about the most, right? That's kind of right. where things are going to go. And, but then further, every team is now acting independently based on what's being told from above. Right. And so all they can, like, that means like, and you'll, you, I mean, we hear about this from other studios that are, that are bigger, that have an art team where the artists just work together and make an art and that's what they do. And they, they see themselves as in direct opposition to the programmers and right. vice versa, right? Where there's a programming team and an art team. And for some reason they're like fighting each other for what each one wants, yeah. right? Instead right. of working together to come up with the awesome <laughs> stuff that, that work out for both of them. Right. And uh, yeah, I think that, that that's just a consequence of, of things being developed just purely in parallel instead of collaboratively mm-hmm. where, where every piece of working on a game as well as just every piece of a game it's, itself uh, just needs to be built at the same time so that you can iterate on top of all the changes that are happening everywhere. Right. Which is why a game should never be built by more than 700 people. I think yeah. that's yeah. fair cap. That's about the, the cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So next question comes from Babutube who says, how do you come up with names for your characters without having 50 Bobs and 48 Joes? Does the naming process come naturally or do you need to think to get a great name like Flux, Juice, Box, Forn, etc.? Where do the names come from? Hmm. Some of them require lots of thought. Well, in the case of most of them don't. In the case of Crashlands, uh, we first looked at, we we developed some sort of general phonetic rules for the uh, the different aliens. Mm-hmm. So we said like the Brubus, you know, they use a lot of sort like of T's yeah. and X's and kind of hard K sounds. And a lot of uh, I's. Yeah. Uh, and they also, and we also said like, oh, that whenever there's a town, we said culturally, you know, there's a Brubus who runs the town and the town gets changed, the name of the town gets changed to be named after that person, right? Mm-hmm. And so, then end in an axe. Yeah, right. so you have this, you know, choo-choo-choo an axe or clicks an axe or whatever. 
So you have these towns that are named after the people, and then that kind of informs some other stuff. Yeah, so we kind of uh, made up arbitrary language and cultural rules for the... Right. Yeah, and we also said, like, the, the quadrupus, you know, they're, they like to have the ack sound, mm-hmm. right? Because we just threw that in because our first quadrupus ever was named yep. Tack. That was the only piece of data we had. So, yep. right. so, that, so we got, like, <laughs> Mac-a-lack and Brick-a-Brack. Yep. And, you know. Jack, <laughs> Jack Mac, Flack, Brick-a-Brack, and Tack. Yep. Um, <laughs> And so, and then I think the the tendrum, we, they have a lot of like long ah uh, mm-hmm. kind of sounds, like usually two A's back to back. Um, so like Gabby, G-A-A-B-Y. Mm-hmm. Andiana and Johns. Johns, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. These. So we just kind of like just pick a sound that, or a, a combination of sounds that a particular group of people culturally will like mm-hmm. to use. And then we just kind of like try stuff out until we kind of wiggle something out. Mm-hmm. Now, as, as far as, as like Flux main goes, characters, yeah, I don't, you remember this? Flux? Flux? Was named because we had a we had an item in the game called a flux, uh-huh. which was our first attempt to make Crashlands free to play. Yeah, uh. and it was a and it was an energy source that came out of just everything. Right, and this was actually before the concept of juice was yeah. created in the in the butterscotch universe. So, uh, so the flux was everywhere, and we liked the word because um, it's like was like a catalyst for changing something mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and so we, we stripped that out because we hated the free-to-play stuff. We still, like, we had that word in our heads, I think. And yeah, so, I don't think the character had a name until... Oh, because it, it used to be it used able to customize. Be yeah. yeah, it was a customized character. Used right. to choose. You would change your color of your But her last name, visor. though, came from that stupid, stupid <laughs> music video. <laughs> Flux Dave. you can even call it that, where there's this guy that's just going, I'm the best. It's a rap I'm song that I get. I'm the best. I'm the best. So it's spelled D A space B E S. I'm pretty sure if you do, if you just do a YouTube search for I'm the best, mm-hmm. uh, that's You'll exactly see what it. will come up. It's total garbage. So we were watching it at the time <laughs> for some reason. We were like, well, Flux is the best. Yeah. And then, <laughs> so then we just used Dabes. Dabes. Pronounce it Dabes instead. Dabes is the best. I do, I do remember that conversation. It's yeah. creativity at work, folks. Uh, and then for Juicebox, Juicebox was originally a uh, sort of floating encyclopedia named, named Wizbox. Named Wizbox. And then when you crashed, he turned into Spazbox. So that's a bunch oh, of people. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What people asked about in the, in the bog. There's the Dusk Watchers uh, fort, yeah. and in the fort is actually the floating, the acid's in there. Um, it's the floating holder that holds Wizbox is in there, and you can blow it up. Yep. You don't get a Wizbox out of it, but you can blow it up. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do. I think you do. You yeah. do get a Wizbox. Yeah. A Wizbox comes out of it, but nobody knows what it's for. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when you, originally when you crash on the planet, because we wanted the robot companion to be sassy. And so Wizbox originally was this very you know, sort of butler sort of style thing. But then on the ship during the tutorial, but then when you crash, he sort of gets Get some wires crossed. scrambled. So he calls himself Spazbox after that. And then he was just really sassy. And he didn't live on, he didn't actually live in the game. That He just was like a, he was a UI. Yeah, he was a UI element. So, and he dropped these really annoying pinging alert sounds in, which yeah. was a pain in the ass. Yeah. So again, oh, it's, it's, that, it's that first uh, year of development of yeah. coming up with new systems and stuff. And then we and looked at it. Eventually, we looked at it and set. I think set the suggestion we put it in the game, like Bella and like Bingo. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. redrew it, and it looked kind of like a juice box. Just so we shape. just called it juice box. <laughs> and then, it, and then this was also around the time that we published Roid Rage, I think. Mm-hmm. And we oh, were, yeah, and right. we were also we were we were thinking about juice, yeah. as like a concept. Um, well, actually, because we 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 had probably three different. 
lore backgrounds for Crash Lands before we saw what we did. Mm-hmm. And they all were around juice-related things. And, and actually, Juicebox's original sort of backstory was that he was constructed by Flux as a juice-detecting machine. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, because the original story was you were going to Wonope to find a juice because mm-hmm. the sensors showed that it just had a ludicrous amount of juice. You know, you're like, you're the one hero from Earth going to like solve the Earth's energy crisis once and for all by taking the juice right. from this planet or whatever. Now we change the story because that was nonsense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is still lots of juice in there. There's still lots of juice. Wonope is still full of juice mm-hmm. and that's going to, that's going to be important in the future. Probably. Mm-hmm. Probably. Somehow or another. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, and then Forn. We don't need to. Talk, we can't talk about Forn. Well, all, <laughs> so all of the Viru villains, except actually, for Pete. Except for Pete. But Pete came from the original Tal Fight of the Gods, which you can actually now you can play. play on our itch page. Yeah, mm-hmm. on our gem page. And that was the first uh, Quetzalcoatl and Pete. Yeah. So so Hugo was originally named Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. A Q. Yeah. Q. Until someone pointed out that we were apparently supposed to know that Q is a huge villain in the Star Trek series. Yeah. And so, so every time we said, oh, yeah, we have our villain named Q, he's an alien, and people are like, oh, you took that from Star Trek. No. No. It just, we shortened Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. So we're like, we need which, to rename to be this fair, guy. we took from somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so Hugo Duco's name origination was actually, we were like, well, this guy's just like a, just like a huge douche. How can we turn that into huge a Huge douche. Hugo Duco. <laughs> <laughs> that was basically it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And Forn's full name is Fornicranios. We don't need to talk about where that came from. <laughs> I'll just do some, we'll do some call reverse it a riddle. engineering. Yeah. It's a little yeah, riddle. Re- yeah. How do you reverse a portmanteau? There must be some name for that. Yeah. I think it's just two words. A portmanteau. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so that's, that's where <laughs> the names come from. All right, you guys. Well, my coffee's empty. I think we are out of, we're out of liquids mm-hmm. for the day. Uh, so we'd like to thank uh, our producer, Fat Bard for making us sound beautiful and mm-hmm. luxurious. And uh, we'd also like to thank the Beescotch dev team for continuing to build stuff while we're in here hooting and hollering. Uh, we'd also like to thank our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running and, and keep us free from, from all the riffraff. Mm-hmm. You thank know? you. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, we'd like to thank uh, our listeners for coming back every week to listen to us ramble. And also, we don't advertise this show. We depend completely on word of mouth and good reviews. So if you want to help us grow, uh, please tell your friends, tell everybody you know, tell your grandma, tell your uncle, tell your dog. And also, hit up iTunes or wherever it is that you can give us stars and uh, slap some stars on there. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.